I can tell you Jesus ministering in the altars will never be a hindrance to me. Amen. Amen. I thank the Lord for the opportunity to preach here this morning. I don't know, uh, but I believe it's my first Sunday morning preaching ever. Amen. Usually uh, this slot is meant for more important people. Amen. I thank God for his ability to use me. Amen. I'm so grateful to be here. Thankful for this church and the leadership of this church. So glad Pastor David and everyone that went to Columbia has come home and they're safe. That the gospel was preached and the body was strengthened. I'm grateful for a pastor that can leave this pulpit. Amen. And entrust it uh, with this church. Amen. That we could come that you would hear the word of God, that he would trust us with that, that he might go and minister the word of God elsewhere and encourage the body. There's nothing greater, amen, than a body that is willing to not only stay in unity and grow as one when everyone is together, but a body that will go unto the world while holding that and maintaining that same thing. We get to be here in unity and in the same strength as if Pastor Jared and all those that are out as if they were still here, amen. But also, this body gets to go out and strengthen other bodies, if that makes sense. Sometimes the thoughts are scattered and they come out exactly the same way they are in the brain, amen? But some people get it and some people don't. If you're wondering, by the way, that I'm dressed this morning, yes, I am preaching, amen? If you don't get that joke, you don't understand it. It's okay. It's inside. Praise God. Apparently, this is the only time that I dress up, and that's all right, because it's for the Lord, I'm a child of the king. Why wouldn't I dress like one? Amen? Amen. Turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 19, and we will begin uh, in the word of God. Amen? If you've been coughing recently, I want you to turn to your neighbor and high-five them. I'm just kidding. We're not that kind of church. Amen. I'm just teasing. I can tell you that we have the answer to the coronavirus. Amen? Amen. They say there is no cure out there yet, but I can tell you the cure died on a cross for me and you 2,000 years ago. Amen. Coronavirus was included into the stripes that were laid upon our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ. I do not fear sickness. I welcome death because death is really where the glory begins. Amen. There's nothing for me in this world. And if the devil feels fit to take me out, he's only doing me a favor. And if you don't feel that way this morning, I pray to God that I can tell you about a Jesus God that will come to you that will not only make this life worth living, but will make eternity worth living for. Amen. Praise God. He's worthy this morning and he is the answer. Thank you for standing for the reading of the word of God. And I just want to brief read through this story. This isn't basically where my text will be throughout the whole message. I don't know where we're going. Amen. How exciting is that? You showed up to church this morning. The preacher don't know what he's preaching. What an adventure we're going to be on together. I'm excited. Amen. Because I know when God won't directly point his finger to me before I come, I know God doesn't want me to say nothing. I know he wants every word to be his. So I've just been praying before the Lord saying, God, if thou wilt give me a word, I'll preach it. But if you want me to just speak while you speak, I'll just do that, God. And I'm encouraged this morning that God God is going to allow me to speak for him through the word of God by the anointing of his spirit that your life might be changed forever. Do you realize this morning that you're on assignment and appointment with God? You're not here by any sign of coincidence or any form of coincidence. You're here because God saw you and formed you in your, womb, your mother's womb, knew you would be here on this day, and he has come to make himself known to you. Amen? How exciting is that? that. You might be lost as last year's Easter egg, but God knew you'd be here this morning, and he's come to see that you're found this morning. Hallelujah. That's the goodness of God. I just wandered in here, preacher. You can say that if you want to. I just wandered to Bonifay when I was 19 years old, but it changed my life forever. I saw the glory of God unveiled. I saw angels ascending and descending upon the Son of God, and it changed my life. You might not come here of looking for, looking for Jesus, but Jesus has come here looking for you. Praise the Lamb of God. Chapter 19 and verse 1. We'll start here talking about Zacchaeus. Amen. Anybody ever heard that name before? I believe Pastor Jared had me sing it one time. Praise the Lord. I love it. 
I'm unashamed of that. Amen. I can, I can relate to Zacchaeus, and I hope to relate that to you. I know you're standing. I'm, if I've got to stand the whole time, I might make y'all stand the whole time. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Verse 1. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was. Now let's stop right here and let's all read verse 3 in the beginning before the comma together. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said, to him, today salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham for the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Hallelujah. Let's just lift our hands and our close our eyes. God, we just come to you. Father, we don't pray, God, for a great service or prayer of faith of miracles. God, we pray that we meet with you this morning, Jesus God. You are the answer, God. In a world that is darkened and full of terror, God. Father, you come as a lamp unto our feet, Lord, guiding us, God, to eternity with you, Father. Father, let us not lift our eyes away from you in this season, even for a moment, God. Father, that we might miss out, God, on eternal, God, proportions, God. Father, but we thank you and we praise you, God, that even in the time of which we lose our way, God, you come looking for us to save us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, Amen. praise God. We've been practicing that in youth since I've been back. We've been practicing saying amen. 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 I was hoping some of them were going to chime in there. We got a lot of practice, if you can't tell, to do. I want to really bring this to light to you today that Jesus is the answer. And I don't mean this in the cliche nature that everyone uses it. Amen? Listen, I was, I was born in church. I was raised in church. And I was really in this place all of my life where I had heard the goodness of God. I had known of power, of miracles, of the changing of things in the carnal man to the spiritual man. But I never understood it based on the fact that I couldn't see Jesus for who he was. And there was nothing that he could do to someone else that made sense to me. Amen. Does that make sense to you this morning? Maybe you've been that way. Maybe you've been regenerated. Maybe you've been born again. And all of your life you'd heard about this Christ. Amen. All of your life been preached the gospel, been seeing of prayers of, of miracles, of signs and wonders maybe if you were brought up in a church similar to this one where the, the move of God was so, so prevalent all the time. It just moved and it just was. You know, even from time to time we hear people from this pulpit go, how can you sit in a place like this and not know the reality of God? I can tell you how. I spent 19 years of my life believing God was something that he wasn't. I grew up at, at Dunklin' where people were being regenerated and born again and free from, from, from devils and, dr and drug addictions and things of that nature. And the whole time I was under the covering of that word and that power and that might and the miracles of God. The whole time I was convinced that God couldn't love me. 19 years I lived under that and believed it as if it was truth. I was under the preaching. I was under the power of the Spirit. I saw miracles, signs, and wonders. So if you're asking yourself this morning as someone who's always been born again technically, how can someone come under the power of God and not see? 
Can't see him for who he is. Listen, it is the miracle power of Jesus and Jesus alone that allowed any of us to know the goodness of God. Salvation is the greatest miracle. Why? Because just as the psalmist said, I once was blind, but now I see. Oh, I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. To the carnal man, nothing that God does makes sense. And none of it belongs to us because we're separated from God, even to the place where a cherubim would come and guard the garden in the presence of God with a sword. You cannot come close to God in your flesh. You can't do it. It's impossible, not in your mind, not in your intellectual understanding, nor in the physical or the spiritual, but only those who are born again, only those who have seen Jesus for what he is can enter into this place. And I want you to understand this, that Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. In John chapter 10, you can read for yourselves later, but ultimately he says this, I am the good shepherd. My sheep know my voice. I'm paraphrasing here. My sheep know my voice. They do not answer to a stranger. They run from them. I want to break this down because this is kind of a deep thought to me that I just had before I took the pulpit. This is really the the thing that I see in this scripture in this moment is that if you have all of your life heard the power of Jesus, the love of God, seen signs and wonders, yet he's not your shepherd, he's a stranger to you and you will not follow him. No matter what you try to do in your own strength, you cannot follow the shepherd. He is a stranger to you. He is strange to you. And in this story, I want to bring your attention here because this is what it says. Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your home. And then he goes into verse 9, and he says, Today salvation has come to you in this house because he also is a son of Abraham. I want to focus on this, that this man, Zacchaeus, is a son of Abraham. Do you understand what that means? It means all of his life he heard about Moses. All of his life he has understood what the prophets have said. He's known this God all of his life, yet we find him a chief tax collector. He has forsaken the Jews, and he's become as a Roman. If you're a tax collector in this day, you understand that the Jews hate you. Because you've forsaken your people and your beliefs, and now you're taken from your people for the enemy. This is Zacchaeus' place now. All that I've heard, all that I know, all that's been taught to me of this God is not real. I don't believe it. It might be real for you, but it ain't real for me. So I will go into the world and I'll find my own way. I'll find something that I can be fulfilled with. I'll find something that does make me happy. I'll find deliverance in some way of this hell that I'm in. If God can't do it, I'll find a way. That's what Zacchaeus says. He was the son of Abraham. He'd known of this God. But there was something about this Jesus. After finding himself in the world, he was a very rich man, very wealthy, had so much in abundance that he had stolen and maybe had taken all of his life. He had become successful, probably very, very well known in the community, probably had thousands of friends, all because of his money. Yet there was an emptiness in him. But he heard of this name that come across the airways of Jericho. Who could this man be? It's Jesus, Zacchaeus. Haven't you heard? Haven't you heard Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph? Haven't you heard what he's been doing? Well, I'm a son of Abraham. The things that he's doing sounds familiar to some of the things that I'd heard when I was in Sunday school. And I remember, I remember hearing the preacher say some of those things from behind the pulpit when I was just a boy. Who is this Jesus? I must find him. I must see him. And as Zacchaeus runs from his place, he begins to run. And what does he find? He finds a press. A people so great and so thick and so tall that he cannot see Jesus. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching to somebody right now. You've run to the house of God this morning and you can't see Jesus because there's a press. You can't see him this morning. He's not in front of you. 
I hear the words of the music. I see people crying. I see people move, but I can't see him. I'm too ashamed. I'm too dirty. I'm too filthy. Maybe you're too religious this morning. Maybe that's where you are. Maybe you've come and the Spirit has drawn you and the rejection of your heart and in your sin says, God, I'm not ready yet. I'm too good to need you. Don't you know who I am, what my family's name is? Don't you know what I have? Maybe the press is here this morning. Maybe it's risen so high that as the name of Jesus is being said, there's something in you that longs to see him, but there's something in your way from doing it. There's something in your way this morning. Listen, folks, I've gone to church since I've been born again. Eight years I've been in this thing. Eight years I've been in the power and the moving of God. And there's service upon service that I've come. And I've been trapped behind the press and going, God, all the time I just want to see you. But I can't because there's a press in my way. And it says... Now behold, Zacchaeus, the tax collector, couldn't see Jesus because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. Maybe you feel this morning you'll never measure up to Jesus. Listen, 19 years, I lived in a church. I went to church. I lived in a family that everything that was done or said that was outside of the perfect Christian, the stained glass masquerade garbage that people put up as fronts, I believed it with all of my heart that if I couldn't be perfect, then Jesus didn't want me. I couldn't be loved by him. That was my press. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place... He looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. I want to bring out two very important things here. Jesus was going that way. Do you understand what that's saying? That Jesus had to go the way that he went. Why? Because he knew that there was a place that he was going to find a man that the press overtook. Come on, somebody. He knew that you'd be here this morning. He knew your shame. He knew your pain. He knew your hurt. He knew your religious garbage and stench. And he's come this way. He said, I must go that way. You know why? Because there's a sycamore tree that's standing right there. And guess who's at the top of it? Jesus ain't never met this man before, yet he calls him by name. Come on, somebody. My Jesus knows you this morning. My Jesus knows me this morning. He knows where I'm at. My God, I'm not so far away from God that he doesn't know where I am and he doesn't know who I am. He knows what you're going through. You think it's taken him by surprise? Coronavirus has swept the nation. He saw it when it began in the beginning. He said, let the press come. Let them shut down the gatherings. Let them do what they want. There will be a people that want to see me. And my God, if you want to see them, you can see them. Because the sycamore tree in this story represents nothing else but the cross. We did some studying on this, and I don't want to get hung up here. But a tree, of like a sycamore tree, in perfect conditions will grow two feet a year. Two feet a year. To understand how much time had passed, we have to understand how old Zacchaeus is. There is no general understanding or age. There's no account of his age. But we can understand by him being a chief tax collector, he's on up in years. To be a priest in that time in the Jewish community, you had to be over 40. Amen? You beginning to do the math? Zacchaeus must be pretty up there in age which means that this sycamore tree couldn't have just been a sapling in order for Zacchaeus to climb up. He may have been short, but he could have been fat. We don't know. But I can tell you, a sapling sometimes just won't do. I'm a big old boy. A sapling ain't going to do it for me. No matter the size of the press, something that's immature in my life isn't going to do it for me. But God saw how big I would be, how large I would be, because he knew me before it all began. Let's say that Zacchaeus was 60. 
To understand how big a sycamore tree would have to be, you'd have to do the math. I've already done it for you. It'd probably have taken around 50 to 60 years in order for this tree to, to uphold under some man's weight. Amen. I gotta take these off so I can see you. This confounds me. So you mean that the time that Zacchaeus was born, that the seed was planted in the town square for the sycamore tree to begin to grow? Preacher, what are you saying? I'm not just saying that Jesus knows who you are, knows where you'll be, but I can tell you before your life ever started, God has been making preparation for you to find him here. He's made the way for you. I wonder how many times Zacchaeus has walked through the square of Jericho looking at this small tree, maybe as a boy. Maybe he went over there and kicked it or something. I don't know. You know how kids are. Maybe he walked as a teenager and began to grow into it as adolescence, maybe a sapling. Every day he walked by this. This man was from Jericho. He's walking in the main square here. This is where all of the commotion is going on. This is where Jesus walked. And now as an elderly man, he finds himself 50 to 60 years old. And I need a way to see Jesus. But I can't because of the press. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching somebody right now. He's prepared a way. Before you were born, this church had begun already in the eternal realm of things. It had to be constructed. I had to be preaching. Russell had to be singing. You had to be in the chair that you were in. Why? Because Jesus saw you there and knew that if you could get to that place at that time to see him, that that was going to be the way and the means in which you could. The same way that we cannot see him because of our sin, the cross comes. Jesus takes it and he dies for our sin. That whoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. That we might be one with God again. It's a twofold understanding and revelation of that sycamore tree. It is now. It is in this place. It is the things that have gotten me here. And it is also the thing that was planted so many years ago, 2,000 years ago. God planted that cross. And my Savior died on it that I might see him. There was no other way, and there is no other way this morning, church, outside of the cross and Jesus Christ for you to make heaven. I don't care how you try to get to heaven. There's no other way but that way. If you've come here under the, the facade of something else, let me squash it for you. You're going to die and burn in an eternal hell if it's not through the cross and the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that there is no other way, but sorry, not sorry. Jesus has made it easy. It is no easier than coming to him and going, God, before everything, before my sin, before my shame, and even me knowing what it was, you knew how nasty I would be. You knew how ugly I would be, and yet you still took the tree you still took it for me I'm trying to paint a picture here this morning folks I want you to see Jesus because Jesus is the answer is there a press this morning is there a press are you held back this morning by it I can tell you the way has been made through the cross of Jesus Christ for you to climb up it. Not that you might be crucified on it, but you might stand at its peak and see Jesus clearly. Jesus said, I take the cross. Oh, it lifted him up just enough that he might see the joy which was set before him. Come on, somebody. This is my Jesus I'm talking about here. Oh, do you want to know him this morning? Do you want to know him? Because he's the answer. He's the answer to this. He's the answer to your personal distress. He's the answer to the global distress. Turn with me now. I want to continue on. Turn with me now somewhere. Hold on. I don't have any notes. I don't. I got to find the scripture. Forgive me. Do you love me? Praise God. I ain't made none of you mad yet, have I? Good. I got time. John chapter 4. John chapter 4. Praise the Lord. I want to show you 
Listen, this, this, you might be looking at me and going, preacher, I've never heard nobody preach like this. I'm not sure I can receive that way. Listen, I'm sorry. I wanted to do this different. I did. I'm better than this sometimes. No, I'm not. That's my wife. I'm really not. But at least sometimes I have an idea of where I'm going. Amen. And this morning, I just don't. Three weeks I've been pondering on this thought. Three weeks I've been under a weight of glory. Such distress, such pressing, such time has passed where I have so just aimlessly wandered about as a believer. But in the past three weeks, Jesus has just come and he said, Son, I understand you've lived this way as long as you've been saved. And I've given you the grace to do so. And I love where you are with me. But this can't be where you stay. Get rid of the Facebook. Get rid of the Snapchat. Get rid of the distractions. Because I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you. And listen, it goes two ways. Jesus wants to talk to you too. He wants to talk to you too. But I want you to understand this. I wanted to talk to him. Hey, I wanted to talk to him. There's a difference here. There's a lot of us Christians that come to church, and the truth is, Jesus wants to talk to us, and we're okay as long as it's on our terms. We're okay with that. But this is a new season. Every man of God that's taken this pulpit, and even on social media, the end is near. Jesus wants to talk to you. He wants to talk to you. But I want to talk to him. There's a difference. Zacchaeus all of his life had heard what God had been saying to him. But in a moment, he realized everything I've heard may not be what I thought it was. I need to talk to him. Where's that tree at? Do you understand? I want to talk to you, Jesus. John chapter 4. We all know this very well. John chapter 4, verse 7. We all know this story very well. Amen. The Samaritan woman. Here she is at the well. What did Zacchaeus say? I want to see Jesus for who he is. I want to see him for who he is. I've heard lies all my life. I've heard talk about him. I've understood him in ways, but he's never been that for me. Zacchaeus found out who Jesus was. Amen. Jesus is the answer. That day he come to his house and salvation did too. Amen. John chapter four, verse seven. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me? A Samaritan woman, for the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew, come on somebody, if you knew the gift of God. And who it is who says to you, give me a drink. You would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Listen, folks, there's a lot of you here this morning. I, I, want, to, I want to so, de- listen, I know I've got some time constraints. Is there like a handkerchief or something? I'm dying up here. I'm sorry. I don't mean to to sound so bold with that. Praise the Lord. That's what I'm talking about. Thank you, brother. My goodness. I don't mean that in a negative way. Just my Bible's getting soggy. I'm sorry. My goodness. Listen, I it's it's 12:31, okay? It's 12 If you got medicine you need to take, it's 12:31, okay? I want you to understand what I'm saying here. Okay? Listen, I wish that I could get this out a different way and faster and maybe more better. Listen, I can't, okay? This is it. Samaritan woman is here. She's meeting Jesus where she was going to be in her shame. She went in the, listen, we know this story. She went in the middle of the day because she was ashamed. She didn't want us to be seen by all of the other people. We understand that. But this is the thing, is Jesus is there. Folks, Jesus is there. Guys, all that I hear is mass hysteria and panic. All of the, listen, from the world, it's okay. Come on. Come on. It is okay from the world. 
I don't look for a sinner to not be anything but a sinner. I don't look for a lost person to be anything but lost. It is their purpose in life to live in fear apart from God. But it is not my lot as a born-again believer to live in fear. It's just not. When I got born again, something new came. My God. Listen. As I was being led into the sanctuary to be born again, I felt as a lamb. But when I walked out, Jesus began to live in me. And now that is a lion. It's a lion. There's a lion within me. I'm not afraid of you. I'm not afraid of the coronavirus. I'm not afraid of your religion. I'm not afraid of your rhetoric. I'm not afraid of it. Why? Because Jesus is the answer. There is no evil that is going to meet me that's not going to meet him. My God, folks. And in the end, if it's death, Charles Spurgeon said, what greater glory is there? My God, if I'm met with death here, what greater glory is there for a believer? When I was in this life and I could only see Jesus with a veil, now is unveiled the glory of God is upon my life. My God, but we tiptoe around. Listen, I'm not, I'm not stepping on nobody here. Listen, I use hand sanitizer. Come on, somebody. I ain't stepping on nobody here. But your mind has gone to this being Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're looking to this going, oh my God, Jesus saved me. Jesus meets a Samaritan in the middle of the day. The hour where no one should have been there. But before all of creation, he saw her. He saw her distress. He saw her shame. He saw her inability to mingle with anybody else that could have brought her the gospel. And he said, I'll go. I know exactly where you'll be at exactly what time. And when I get there, you're going to ask me a stupid question. And I'm going to be okay with it. Because I love you. I knew you were going to ask me something dumb. I knew you were going to ask me to save you through this. I knew you were. It's okay. If you knew who you were talking to, my God, somebody shout hallelujah. If you knew who you were talking to, my God, hallelujah. Oh, man. Listen. Not that I've obtained this yet, but I've obtained enough. Hallelujah. 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 My God. I've not obtained it to perfection, but I've obtained it enough. Hallelujah. My God, I'm not afraid of it. I'm not afraid of it. There's great things happening in India right now in the clinics of, of, of people with what's tuberculosis. Do you know how it got there? A missionary came and they didn't let nobody in. Nobody. No outsider can come in. Why? Based off the government and the people. Don't touch them because you're going to get it. Tuberculosis, leprosy, run rampant. How's it passed? Drinking, swapping of fluids, right? Missionary comes. He sits down with the leader, says, I'm going to get in there. I'm going to get into that place. The leader, the governor of the people who are quarantined, said, you ain't coming in here unless you drink this cup. And he poured one cup of tea. And the governor, who was ate up with leprosy, drank the tea and passed it to the missionary. And he said, you want in here? This is the only way. That man drank the whole cup. That missionary did. To this day, neither one of the diseases infect him or his family or his children or the missionaries that are the only missionaries that are allowed to go in there. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because God ain't met a sickness that he ain't greater than. That's why. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying there is a Christ so great, so powerful, and so loving and desiring of your soul that nothing can stop him from getting to you that you might see him for who he is. You knew, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that says to you, give me a drink, 
you would have asked me. <laughs> you would, listen, you'd, you'd ask me. I've got something to bring you, Jesus. I've got something to give you, Jesus, if you knew who you were talking to. If you knew who you were talking to. My God, folks, Jesus is begging you to get in this church. Jesus is begging you to get into your calling. He's begging, give me a drink. He's begging you, give me a drink. Give me opportunity into your life. Give me this. Lost folks, listen, young people, hear me this morning. Jesus is calling to you, give me a drink. There is nothing that satisfies Jesus more than you. Come on, somebody. There's nothing that satisfies Jesus more than your soul, than your children, than your life. There's nothing else in the world that satisfies Jesus but people knowing who he is. Give me a drink, Jason. Give me a drink. Step into your calling. Get born again. Come on, somebody. Walk on the mission field. Go preach behind that pulpit. Get in your word. Go teach in the jail. Go to the places where I've called you to go. You know what our answer is? Jesus, if you knew who I was, my God, if you knew who I was, Jesus, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. If you knew who I was, that's an answer every time. Listen, I don't have to take a census in here. I know the answer. I created it probably. Jesus, if you just knew who I was. I sat in that drum kit all morning this morning in Sunday school, teaching my youth Sunday school, thinking maybe that's what I need to minister. God, this is the reality of it. You just don't know who I am. That's why you asked me to come up here and preach this morning. You just don't know who I am. And Jesus said, son, if you only knew who I am, you would ask me instead of me asking you. Come on, somebody. that's so simple right there. I feel like I just went way over. Listen, if you knew who I was, you would be asking me. Listen, folks, if you ain't stepped into your calling, there is something about Jesus and in him that should make us go, Jesus, use me. Use me. Instead of Jesus saying, please come be used. Please come be used. If you just knew. And the woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with. Look at me. What am I? I'm nothing. Where? Where are you going to get it from? Where's it going to come from? I don't even know where to worship at. I don't even know how to worship. I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to ask. I don't know how to preach. I don't know how to do any of this stuff. And Jesus answered, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. You hear me? You stay in that garbage if you want to. Because you're going to live a long, thirsty, miserable life as a Christian. As a Christian, hear me, folks. Whoever drinks of this water, the water you're talking about, that garbage is going to thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Oh, Jesus, I'm done coming to you, having you ask me for something. I'm asking you, God, everything you promised her, I want it. I want it. I'm done with it. I want it. And the woman said to him, sir, give me this water. Come on, somebody. Sir, give me this water. Hallelujah. That I may not thirst nor come here to draw. I want to tell you something, folks. Jesus does it. And he said to her, go call your husband and come here. Listen, there's some theological stuff in here. I'm just going to skip over it, okay, because I ain't got time. Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, I know. Come on, what do you think we've been doing here this whole time? I know. You have well said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband in that you spoke truly. I just wanted to know that when you asked me for what I have, if you really received it. Come on, somebody. Jesus gave it to her. You wanted it, you got it. Now let me see if you've got it for real. Tell, t- tell me about your husband. Oh, I ain't got no husband, Jesus. That's all I needed to know, baby. Go preach. Come on, somebody. 
That's all I needed to know. Oh, hallelujah. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, and the Jews say that in Jerusalem, in the place where one ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour has come. Listen, it says coming, but I'm saying to you, the hour has come. Hallelujah. When you will worship, oh, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem, worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must be worshipers in spirit and in truth. And the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming who is called Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I am he who you speak of. This woman saw Jesus for who he was. Her life was changed. It goes on. She goes home. She goes home and she tells those people, I found him. I found him. You found who? The answer to it all. I found the answer to it all. It's the answer to it all. I've got one more place. You got time? Listen I, I, listen, I quit right here. I can. Amen. Listen, this, this ain't, I, I didn't want this. You understand what I'm saying? I didn't ask to preach. I don't want to preach. This is why they don't let me preach on Sunday mornings. Right here. I rarely get Sunday nights. But Jesus loves me, so I do. See? See what I said? <clears throat> I don't want this. I'm not here so that you can hear me talk. I'm not here for that. John chapter 5. If you want to, me to continue. Listen, Jesus, has, Jesus is just what he is. Amen. I don't have to, listen, I don't have to go into this. But I can tell you, I want you, I want you to go out of this place today. Listen, I want you to have such a fear of judgment on your heart when you leave here because of how vividly you saw Jesus that when you walk out those doors, you're scared to live like hell. I've seen Jesus in such a way that this garbage I've been doing, I can't do it no more. Amen. Not because I'm afraid of hell, but because of how beautiful Amen. that Jesus was. <clears throat> John chapter 5, and verse 1. You there? Yeah. We're going to make it quick. This is my last point. I don't have any points, so I'll try not to lie to you. John chapter 5, verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. Everybody say, five porches. Listen, church, you are right now in the house of Bethesda. You can't find that in theology, I'm telling you. Five is the number of grace, and this is a picture of a house that grace sits upon. Amen? That's why grace, I'm just kidding, I just made that up. Grace fellowship. I just made that up. That wasn't right. All right, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's a house of grace, which is the church. It's not specifically this house. It's the church that God hangs his coat and mantle on. Do you understand? A house of grace where the people come and they sit. Amen? This is what Bethesda is, having five porches. And these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. My God, if I've ever seen a picture of 2020 church, that went way over everybody's head. I'm going to read that one more time. Maybe you'll get it. Having five porches in the house of grace... In these lay a great multitude of sick people. 
I'm not talking about sin, ugly, wretched people. Even though there is that in the church. But I'm talking about the sick. I'm talking about, I've never seen more sick people in the house of God than I have in this season of life. And these laying a great multitude of sick. Listen, there's corruption in church. There's always been. Because it's, it's the answer to the world. Corruption and sin and, and religion, all that's going to come. But I'm talking about, for this right now, sick people, blind, both spiritually and physically. Lame, both spiritually and physically. Paralyzed in fear and anxiety, in stress, both physically and spiritually. And all of us here, no less, waiting for the moving of the water. Y'all got time? I just want to make sure. I'm just trying to make sure here. I'm not doing this for amens. For the moving of the water. Listen, this church, as glorious as it is, and what it allows the Holy Spirit to do, is a perfect picture of this scripture. Because there's a handful of people that get in when the water stirs. Hear my heart when I say this. I'm not standing up here talking down to you. I've been saved eight years. Amen. Seven years, I was a youth pastor here. Seven years that I was lame. Seven years that I was paralyzed. That I did not do anything but what I told you earlier about the woman. Jesus would call me and ask me. And I would just, all right, Lord. Poor pitiful me. I'm, I'm just this. Seven years of that, folks. Seven. I'm glad seven years. I'm glad it's completed. I hope it's over. I hope, I hope it lays in hell where it belongs. Because I ain't going to be that no more. When I come to the house of God, I'm coming. I'm coming because there's some stirring going on. Jesus has come to me with his people. The grace of God has laid itself upon this hour for the church. That we, the church, the bride of Christ, the vehicle that God has desired to reach the world, the only answer to the lost and the dying, that it might not be sick, lame, and paralyzed, but it might be strong and mighty through the power of God to reach a world. The world looks at the church and they go, them poor things. Come on, somebody. You know somebody that said that. You know somebody that said that about a Christian and a believer. Them poor people. <sighs> they believe in God. Yet, look at all this. You know what I'm talking about. It's sad. And I'm not, I just want you to understand, I'm not getting on nobody. I'm not getting on nobody. I want you to hear what Jesus desires. You understand? And they've wait for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. I want you to understand this. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him, come on somebody, when Jesus saw him. This is past tense and present tense. When Jesus saw him, you can put your name in there. When Jesus saw you, lame, in church, in the house of God, the pools of grace around, the porches of grace all around you, you're here, you're born again, you're loved of God, you love him, but yet you're crippled in fear, you're paralyzed in anxiety, there's sickness that's ravaged about, and you cannot find the faith to bring the power of God. To a world that is dying. And your whole ideology is, is God's not strong enough. That was a whole statement, just so you know. I'm not breaking that up. It's a whole statement. Because you do that, you turn it around on God. Because of all those things happen, you turn around on God and you say, God, you're not powerful enough to heal me of this cough to heal me of this, to heal so-and-so of that. I prayed, God, and your word says this. And you try to hold God to his word, and you can't even be held to his? Come on, somebody. You're not, you're not willing to put your feet on the word, but you're going to hold Jesus to his, 
and say, God, you don't have the power. Listen, you have put your eyes on something that's not Jesus. I'm going to bring this to light here in this scripture. I'm closing because this is a good place to stop. Your eyes have been taken, church, off of Jesus. And I want to explain to you that you've not been swept away in this last day by something that is so great and so evil. What you've done is, is you've taken a form of Jesus and you've placed it as the apple of your eye. You hear what I'm saying? It's not a bad thing. Why are the elect getting drawn away in the end? Is it because they're just turning into just blatant ugly sin? No, no, no. This is how it's going to come. Subtly. Let me give you a form of Jesus that you can worship. One that sounds nice and looks nice. He looks churchy. He acts churchy. But there's no power at all. And you worship him. You come. And you raise your hands. And you do all these things. All of it in your flesh. None of it under the power of God. Because the Jesus that you're worshiping isn't the king of kings. It's not. This is the subtlety, and this is what I want you to see because it goes on and says that here is this man of 38 years. Listen, let's just say you've come to church for 38 years, and all of your life, maybe you had an encounter with God. Maybe God truly touched you. Maybe you've been born again 67 times in those 38 years, yet you're still paralyzed. And you're here this morning. You're going, I'm going to heaven, and maybe you are. And I'm glad for you. I'm glad the grace of God is going to sustain your paralyzed state until you reach glory. That's the love of God like no other. That was a little deep, and I'm sorry, but that's the truth. Okay? Some of you are okay with this state. I'm saved enough to get to heaven. Folks, and this is the 2020 era in the season of the church. I'm, I'm saved enough. I'm well enough. I can feed myself. I can give myself a little bit to drink. But I have to be carried to church and I have to be carried home. There's no power. He was there 38 years and when Jesus saw him lying there, my God, he saw him there. Just like Jesus sees you here. And he knew that he already had been in that condition a long time. Folks, I lived seven years in this condition. Most of my born again life, I'm not preaching down to you. I'm not preaching down to you. I'm talking about functioning in Christ at a level that is not exceptional. It's not in power. That's not in me. A power that's only in Jesus. I've come, man, I could play them drums. I can. That's Russell. There ain't nobody else he wants to play the drums for him. Not in a mean way. Not in a negative way. He just don't want nobody else but me. Amen. 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 Man, I can teach a good Sunday school lesson. Yeah, I can. I can look in this word, and anybody can. You can pull something out of there. Pentecostal church, come on, somebody. That's all I got to say, and you're shouting. You see what I'm saying? It don't take much in me to produce something that looks like Jesus. There's nothing, there's nothing in me that's good. We're guilty, all of us, me, most of all of this, because I was held under a cover as a youth pastor in this church and a drummer and a preacher and a teacher and a good husband to a good home and a good father to good kids. But seven years, I laid lame with an inability to serve God to the fullness, not because I don't have the I'm looking for the word. It's right there. The ability to do that. God has given me the faith. He's given me the blessing. He's given me the giftings. All that's in here. But I forfeit that when I try to do it for anything outside of him. Him. And I am done doing it my way. I have followed a false Jesus long enough, church, and I'm ready to, for the king of kings. I'm ready for him. I've, I just, I can't do it no more. You might be able to go on, and I'm praying for you that heaven becomes your home, that you don't, you don't live a Christian lifestyle that's so unfulfilling that you'd rather go back to the world than live for Jesus before you make heaven. I'm gonna pray for you. But this life that I've been living since God has revealed this to me, I'm telling you, I'm full. I'm full, not of, 
not of my stuff. I'm not full of my stuff. Listen, I've been up here and I've preached to you full of it before. I have. But not this time. Not this time. And I hope you hear it. This is what it says. This is what Jesus is saying to you right now. This is it. Do you want to be made well? Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, is standing before you. Do you want to be well? This is what the sick man says. He answered him, Sir, I have no one, no man to put me into the pool while I'm coming another step. It's just like us, isn't it? Right now, as soon as I said that, Jesus is standing in front of you saying, do you want to be made well? Well, I can get rid of Facebook like Brother Rafe. I can get rid of Snapchat like Brother Rafe. You're already saying to Jesus, you've opened your mouth to Jesus. And you're saying things and you're vowing things and you're telling them, I'm going to be better. I'm convicted. I'm this. I'm that. Shut your mouth for five seconds and let God say what he wants to say. I have nothing in myself that's going to make Jesus love me more and Jesus be more real to me. Neither are you. You can't do it in yourself. He began to say, well, if I just had a man, if I could just do this, and then, oh, boo, 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 somebody gets down in the altar and they get their blessing before I get mine. Well, it's just this long, drawn-out story. Someone's always in the water that's stirring before I get there. You've missed it. This man has missed it. He has God incarnate in front of him, and all he can think about is the water. All you can think about is this emotional disturbia. And it's not that. That's a false Jesus. Jesus produces that. But that's not Jesus. Son, you're asking for this. And this is, I just want you to see this because this is so, this has so boggled my mind and I want to say it the right way because last time I didn't when I was trying to tell somebody this. This is what Jesus does in his love. Rise up and take your bed and walk. This is the grace of God. Listen, this is the five porches here. This is the grace of God. I'll let you keep living the way you want to live if that's how you want to live. If you think your strength is good enough, if you think, if you think just touching the water is going to get you through this, coronavirus, end times, Jesus returning, you know what? Forget all that. Listen, that's hard stuff. I had a hard time getting out of bed this morning and being saved. Do you, can, you see what I'm saying? It's hard enough life. Forget the end time stuff. It's hard enough in this moment to not just be wretched. It's exhausting. And Jesus said, if you want to keep living like that, listen, my grace is sufficient. I'll let you leave this house today. Jesus is saying it to you. I'll let you leave this house today with a form of wellness, a form of it, of wellness. And it's going to get you through for a little while but you're going to find yourself back on this mat, back in this church, just as empty and useless and wretched and just as ugly in sin and shame and unworthiness as you came in here. And I'll prove it to you because it goes on. It says, and immediately the man was made well. You're going to leave here. You're going to be emotionally stirred. Praise God. Look at all this. And I take up my bed and I walk out. And the day was the Sabbath. And the Jews, therefore, listen, this is a whole other message. The, the, the religious come and they say, hey, bro, it's the Sabbath. You can't do this on the law. You can't carry your mat. And this guy basically just says, listen, I've been lame 38 years. I didn't even know. Sorry. My bad. All I know is some dude just came and he healed me. And now I'm walking. He told me to take my mat. I'm just doing what I'm told because I'm enjoying walking after 38 years. Amen. Right? And this is what the Pharisees said. They said, who made you whole? Who did this for you? Do you see where this is going? The religious? Who did this to you? Well, he didn't do it the right way. Because today's the Sabbath day. And you're carrying your mat. I see how you're walking. Walking different than all of us. You got touched, didn't you? Who is this? I want you to focus on this part. Because this is, that was extra. That was free. Okay, this part is what I'm talking about. This is important. When they asked him, who told you to get up and walk? Who healed you? 
And immediately the man who was made well took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. And the Jews therefore said to him, who was cured? It is the Sabbath day. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. And he answered them, he who made me well said to me, take up your bed and walk. Then they said him, who is this man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know who it was. For Jesus had withdrawn. Do you see what I'm talking about here? You've come, you've been touched emotionally, and you're worshiping a form of Jesus. And you walk out of here, and someone challenges this walk that you have now. And the moment they touch it, you fall to pieces and you go, I don't know who this Jesus is. I didn't even really catch a good glimpse of him. Yeah, this, something has changed in me, but I have no idea who did it. Listen, the question I've pondered for years is how can you come to this altar and weep and cry and be so broken, be delivered of devils and, and this. And the next day, the next day, you got a needle in your arm. The next day, listen, folks, seven years I've been here and pondered this question. You know how many people leave this altar and go commit suicide? Do you know how many people that I've seen? It would shock you the number. And I say that humbly and grieved because I read this scripture and I know why. You've come here and you've touched something that you thought was Jesus. And it was just a form of him. It was just a form of him. And you got up and you walked away, maybe different, but not changed. And the moment somebody touched it, you didn't know who it was. And I want you to see the grace of this because Jesus comes back. He comes back to these people who didn't see him for who he is. Maybe this is you this morning. I'm going to close, Brother Russell. I know you've been waiting for this moment. All of you probably have. This is a heavy word. And I'm sorry it's taken so long for me to get through it. But I want you to understand this, folks, that you could have been sitting in this service. You could have been sitting in services past. You can be sitting under the most anointing preaching, the most anointed singing, the most anointed everything. You can come to this altar and you can be touched. You can be moved. You could be drawn from your seat. You could cry tears. You could even be delivered of devils in this altar and get up and walk out and you've never even seen Jesus because that's how good Jesus is to you. I'll let you take out of here whatever you want. I wanted it to be me. I drew you in here to see me and to take me out of here. But I love you enough that I'll let you take this small healing and go because I know that I'm going to catch you outside in a time and I'm going to come up to you and it says that the man But the one who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn a multitude being in that place. Afterward, somebody hear what I'm saying. Jesus found him. Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, what you received back there wasn't enough. You got some of me. You've gotten part of me but you need all of me. See. See. Your Bible might say, behold. See me. Be made well. Sin no more. Lest a worse thing come upon you. And the man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. I want to open up these altars. And I believe that all of us, listen, I'm going to get in it. There's something in the Bible that was opened up to me not too long ago by a great brother. And this is what he said. He said, we read in Revelation where the seraphims and the cherubims, they gather around the throne. And as they fly around God, they sing over and over again. Holy, holy, holy 
is the Lord God Almighty. And a lot of you might think the same way that I did as I read that, that it's just vain repetition over and over again. Over and over. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Do you understand that they're not repeating the same thing over and over again? That as they're flying around God, they're seeing a new aspect of Him that they'd never seen before. They're seeing new grace, new love, new healing. It was there the whole time, but they're seeing it for the first time. And as they see it, the impact of an angel, an angel, not not a sinner, the impact to an angel, a created being that has no choice, goes, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Look at this. Look at this grace that they didn't deserve. Look at this love that I didn't know I could have. Look at this healing. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy. I pray this night or this day that you've seen Jesus through the scriptures the way that he wants to be seen. Not the way that I've seen him before. The way that I've seen him before won't do. There's a fuller picture of Christ. I can stop right now and it'd be good enough to get to heaven. But would I be a lame man throughout my life? Because I quenched the power that I could have had. Or will I come humbly before the throne and say, Jesus, because of the cross, I see you. I just want to say this last thing. And I wrote it down. Zacchaeus couldn't see Jesus for the press. The Samaritan woman couldn't see him for her shame. And the man at Bethesda couldn't see him for the miracle stirring water. Whatever's in your way, whatever's stopping you and hindering your view of Jesus, listen. Take the cross. Get above the press. Ask Jesus, give me a drink. Give me what you have. And to the man at the pool, God, your stirring is not enough. I want you. As you come, come to this altar. Make the altar in your seat.